This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 17th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Americans' safety from the prying eyes of the federal government is always at risk. So how best to change it? U.S. Senators Steve Daines and Ron Wyden have an idea they say will make it harder for intelligence agencies to sweep up the communications of so many Americans. We spoke on Capitol Hill last week. Walk me through some of the reforms in your proposal. Sure. Well... Um, just, just, just brief background. This we think about why do we have Montana and Oregon here today? I think about we have got a couple of Western states. You've got a Republican from Montana, uh, a Democrat from Oregon, who are partnering, representing views, oftentimes led in the West, which is this inherent distrust of the federal government. I think as Westerners, we just we're born that way. What we do in this bill is first and foremost uh, revoking the authority forever for the now terminated call detail record program, that bulk collection of data that so many Americans had concerns about will be once and for all killed as a result of this bill. Uh, This is all about strengthening privacy and the civil liberties for the American people, for Montanans. This is about Fourth Amendment protections. And I think importantly, it's protecting Montanans from these government spy programs. Call it what you want. That's the way we see it. Senator Wyden, to you, um, to what extent can the government, even if your legislation passes, to what extent could could the government still just be a customer of private data collection services to get uh, a broad range of very similar information? Well, let me step back and give you a little history and then talk about the real progress conveyed in this in this bipartisan bill because it will always be you know a challenge ever since John Poindexter had that program operation total information awareness and we derailed it actually in these offices when an intern found how sweeping the surveillance uh, actually would have been we know that there have been challenges and that will be the case no matter what bill Uh, is passed. Now, this is a big day for our bipartisan uh, efforts. Today, 45 organizations came out for our legislation. These are groups, as we've indicated, that span the philosophical spectrum. But what they've got in common is they understand that security and liberty aren't mutually exclusive that a smart bill gets you both, and not-so-smart bills don't get you much of either. So this is a very substantial uh, step uh, forward. For example, one new development in our bipartisan bill is we protect sensitive location information. And we know that geolocation is sort of the wave of the future in terms of how you uh, surveil Uh, people, we protect uh, sensitive location information with an actual warrant standard, clarifying that what the court said in the Carpenter uh, case also should apply in the uh, FISA uh, context. Also, we protect internet browsing, which is enormously important to our people, and search history with a warrant standard. So, what you're seeing is again two United States uh, senators saying, look, we know that there are enormous challenges 
with respect to surveillance. And just one little bit of additional history. You know, this began with the Patriot Act. It was way too broad. It led to this huge metadata program. And we began to start fixing that when James Clapper was caught lying in a public hearing. To you. Correct. In an intelligence uh, hearing when he was asked, does the government collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? He looked right at the camera and he lied and said no. Well, that led to the 2015 changes to rein in that metadata program. But now, as uh, we've indicated, the call uh, records uh, program, it's called the CDR you know, program, is still way too broad. And so we want to kill that once and for all because the claims that were made, oh, it would be useful in fighting terrorism, even those who lead the fight uh, against terrorism don't buy that. So uh, to both of you, why is it that you think Congress so often enables precisely this kind of violation of civil liberties of Americans? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. That's also the importance of oversight and the importance of ensuring that we are poking around at what's going on in these programs. Sometimes they start with good intentions, but what we see is they deliver very bad outcomes. I think it's chilling for many who will be listening to this today to think that the American government is doing bulk collection, bulk collection of phone records, that they don't need a warrant to obtain browsing history, internet search history, history that, that, that produces you know, your, your most private kind of searches that might relate to your politics, as we've seen. This can be weaponized and used to destroy people. So consequently, uh, that's why I'm grateful for the partnership with Senator Wyden. Again, we've got a Democrat from Oregon, a Republican from Montana, and Senator Wyden just mentioned 45 different groups today just came out signing a letter, civil liberties groups. And when you see the political spectrum there, Ron, from you know, freedom works on one side to, uh, to demand works on the other, tells you this is about as bipartisan as you can get. And when, we, when it comes to issues of privacy and Fourth Amendment and protections, uh, this is something that brings all Americans together, and it should. Let me add one point to what's just been said, because I certainly you know, agree this is a, a bipartisan um, effort in every single uh, particular. So the surveillance authorities this time expire on March 15th, just a few weeks from the time in which we're having this discussion, Cato and Senator Daines and myself. Here is what the pattern has been year after year, and I'm now one of the longest-serving members of the Intelligence Committee. Those who favor the status quo wait until the very last minute before the authorities are going to expire. And then they come to the reformers like us, and they go, oh my goodness, it's such a dangerous world. Don't you guys agree that it's an incredibly dangerous world? We can't let these things lapse and be vulnerable. And you can fill in the blank, whatever the threat would be. Going dark, I think, is the the, the concern that is stated. And of course, we say, absolutely, we agree that it's a dangerous world. The question is, 
Are you going to come up with approaches like we advocate that show that security and liberty gives you more of both? Or are you just going to run around like your hair on fire and you're going to tell everybody uh, Western civilization is going to end? By the way, that's what produced so many of the flawed authorizations in the past. Those of us who wanted security and liberty were always told, oh, we're going to go dark. Oh, my goodness. The world's going to end. And then we would battle you know, back. In fact, sometimes um, the people who favored the status quo just lied to the American people. They said, for example, on one occasion that the authority was going to expire before it was actually going to expire in order to tell everybody, oh, we've got to pass the status quo. Well, I think that's, that's the irony and the paradox behind this is uh, those who are saying these programs are helping protect our liberties are in fact violating them. So what is it? I mean, if you could put yourself in the mind of Mitch McConnell or Richard Burr or Mark Warner and try to present their case for why these authorities are absolutely necessary, um, presumably you disagree broadly with it, but but to what extent do these authorities as they exist actually advance uh, Americans' privacy? To, to, talk, to talk about progress, what is essentially the Richard Burr position after all these years of defending all these various versions of metadata collection, the Richard Burr position is now the reform position on call you know, records. We just feel it's important to go much further because, for example, the geolocation provision is really one of the great you know, challenges with respect uh, to surveillance. We want to uh, start reforming the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court, because reformers of all kinds of philosophies would like, you know, an additional tool to fight the one-sidedness of the FISA court. So we would allow for an amicus kind of brief situation. Now, but I think, I think just on, in terms of, 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 what we do and we don't do with this legislation. Keep in mind, uh, if if we have there's a known Terran activity that we are pursuing, we're just requiring a warrant. In other words, we're stopping warrantless collection of this information. So let's be clear: we we are ensuring protecting Fourth Amendment rights of the American people, due process. And so, as you look at the legislative text, uh, we are prohibiting warrantless collection of browsing history, prohibiting warrantless collection of geolocation information. So, I think that's a very important distinction. So, Ron and I both completely we need here to secure this country and prevent a 9-11 from ever happening again. But we can do that while at the same time protecting the Fourth Amendment rights of the American people. The Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board, uh, Senator Daines, you mentioned oversight and yeah. how important it is. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a creation of the same legislation that gave us the 9-11 Commission. It is supposed to be a part of the oversight structure for surveillance programs. Um, to what extent is PCLOB, a terrible acronym, to what extent is PCLOB actively prevented from publishing uh, information that the public by all rights ought to know about and was is definitely within the purview of that oversight board. It's an itty bitty organization. 
And, and for many years was not funded, right? Yeah. And now it's barely, you know, funded. And they've had challenges getting the relevant documents in a kind of timely uh, fashion. And what, in effect, we're um, trying to do is kind of shore up the opportunity for uh, more independence with respect to taking on the FISA court. You know, the FISA court is a completely one-sided secret operation. There's essentially no you know, oversight uh, over their proceedings and their decisions. So what we'd like to do, and it's widely supported by reformers, is strengthen what's called the amicus kind of process where people could weigh in on uh, issues. In- so, so, so for people who are not that familiar with the FISA court, uh, they essentially hear one argument. Uh, they- Governments. The government's argument. There is there's not an adversarial process. The uh, opinions that they issue are effectively secret. There are very few people who are even aware of those opinions. It's very difficult to challenge them. We don't really even have minimized versions of the opinions that they've uh, put out. Um, to what extent do you? Uh, I mean, it, especially in recent uh, months, we've had the FISA court in the headlines in a way that they haven't been in a long time. Um, are other Republicans, that is to say people who are uh, big fans of Donald Trump, do they only care about this one case or do they care? will they care more broadly about reforming this court in general? Uh, I, I would uh, humbly suggest there'll be uh, support for more reforms. Uh, the, the abuse of power that we've seen gone on with the uh, – the the FISA process, I think, has been um, uh, been it's been egregious. It's been very concerning to many of us here. And we, we look at something like this P Club. As again, Caleb said, it's a, it's a terrible name. Um, just to be clear, it's the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board. But one of the important reforms will be also adding a whistleblower provision and protecting that. In terms, of we look at this process, that's important. And second, just overall, just adding these foreign intelligence activities will be part of the purview of, of P-Club going forward. So it, it has not been exactly the most uh, uh, stringent oversight board that we have seen. It's five members. It's bipartisan. But I think shedding some light on it and trying to put some additional teeth into it is a good thing moving forward. They've and published- let, me, let me mention, though, why this is such a transformational moment. It picks up on this challenge uh, with respect to keeping this bipartisan, getting more, you know, Republicans. Um, Authorization after authorization, we would find many members rejecting our bipartisan amendments. Then the inspector general came out with this analysis, which showed some very deep flaws in the way the FISA process worked with respect to Carter Page. What we want to do is make sure that this next debate isn't just a referendum on Carter Page. You know, people will have differences of opinion. We understand that. What we want to do is get the broad FISA reforms that we're calling for in our bill. And my hope is the fact that there was a fair amount of visibility with respect to the Inspector General's report and Carter Page. This will cause people on both sides of the aisle to say, hey, these reformers have had some valid points over the years. Let's really move to fix this thing. So uh, 
I'm not sure if I got an answer to this question, but to what extent can PCLOB be effective if intelligence agencies are effectively able to prevent them from publishing documents? I, I would just say PCLOB is one of the tools that's out there. It's not as strong as we would like it. We would like it to be able to have an opportunity to do exactly what you're talking about and having more transparency and having the kind of staff that can take on um, the armies of people who defend the status quo. But you have to put this in the context of where we've been and the fact that what is essentially the Richard Burr position today is the position that the two of us have been advocating for for years and years. I'd call that progress. Gabe, I think too, specifically on that, um, this enabling the whistleblower complaints, I think is a step in the right direction where they can go directly to the P-Club board with a complaint. So arguably that may be a way here that uh, could bring somebody out of the woodwork that feels like they're being suppressed uh, by a certain agency or a certain organization to come directly to P-Club with a whistleblower complaint. And there is no question that the events of the last few months have raised real questions about the capacity to get whistleblowers to come forward. I think there's been cumulatively a truly chilling effect on whistleblowers, and there's bipartisan interest in the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee at strengthening whistleblower protections. I'm not going to get into the classified discussions that um, are taking place, but if we can strengthen PCLOB, if we can strengthen whistleblower protections that I believe can get done in the Intelligence Committee and have these common-sense FISA court reforms that build more oversight and transparency and amicus involvement so it's not so one-sided, this would be a pretty productive, pretty productive time. What do you think the role, in, broadly speaking, with respect to privacy of uh, individuals' uh, data, what's the role of states here? Some states have, have tried to take the lead in advancing uh, laws that would protect data privacy. California and Utah are uh, two of the, the notable ones. Uh, to the extent that you've looked at how they've done it, what what do you view as the role of states here? Well, I think you've you've got a couple senators here who believe strongly in the importance of the the rights of the states. But I think this is where we have to look at where where you see potential what a state does in terms of of uh, whether it's in accordance with the Constitution, the federal the federal laws and federal privacy protections. And so they may come into there may be conflict there. Uh, but I think first and foremost, if if we don't act here at the federal government level here to protect the rights of the citizens, you'll start to see the states to do that. And so that's why it behooves us the importance of what Senator Wyden and I are doing here. And they is, might do is, it badly. Is, is get, they, they, they could, and that's why we need to do it well here. And so our states are going to sit back and wait if the federal government continues to violate the fundamental liberties of the American people. That's what we got to get in front of this. We Westerners are always looking for ways to have creative partnerships with the states. I mean, whether it's healthcare, whether it's transportation, uh, whether it's energy. I mean, the list just goes on and, and on. Often we're the leaders in the West in terms of getting waivers from federal rules in order to go do our own thing. At one time, my friend said they probably should list me as Ron Wyden D. Waiver because I was always for trying to wave out of something to give Oregon more 
uh, opportunities and natural resources or, or what have you. Here's what we're dealing with here. We know that the internet, for, for example, and communications aren't just about the national government. They're global. So uh, we want all the good ideas and opportunities we can get from the states and, and local officials. So often, they've been on the cutting edge of innovation. And we always tell them, hey, pretend you're in our shoes. You're on these key you know, committees, intelligence and, and finance, and we're dealing with kind of global challenges in communications. And give us your ideas on how you can be a bigger partner. Steve Daines is a Republican U.S. Senator from Montana. Ron Wyden is a Democratic U.S. Senator from Oregon. We spoke last week. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 